Here's the start list for the final of the women's 800 metres. No doubt most of the attention will be on the young woman from South Africa, Casta Semenya. And there is Casta Semenya, quite a surprising personal best of 50.74 in Stellenbosch back in April at the end of the South African season. But it's the fastest time in the world, it's a lifetime best, and Casta Semenya, well, two Olympic golds, now three World Championship golds over 800 metres. Welcome to Flame Bears, the women athletes carrying Tokyo's torch. I'm your host, Jamie. It's obviously been a while since the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics ended, but before moving on to season two, celebrating athletes competing in the Beijing Winter Games, we wanted to amplify a voice that the world missed in Tokyo. In this episode, we speak with two-time Olympic gold medalist and three-time world champion runner, Castor Semenya, who shares her triumphs and challenges competing as a black woman with high testosterone. Castor is the world's fastest 800 meter female runner. So why wasn't she in Tokyo? She was legally blocked by the International Association of Athletics Federations, now World Athletics, from competing unless she agreed to change her natural body via hormone shots, surgery, or birth control pills. She did not, so she was barred from competing in her events. Casta Semenya here, a middle distance runner, and um, I'm a world and Olympic champion of uh, 800 meters, you know, women, double Commonwealth champion, you know, five times, you know, African champs, and 13 times, you know, South African champion. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Castor, I've noticed you have OIB next to your name a lot. What does that stand for? Uh, IOB, it's, um, it's an Ikamanga. It's a bronze Ikamanga. It's, it's coming from a presidential house. It's more like uh, the NBA superstars when they win a, you know, NBA title. They go to the president, the White House, and they, they will honor them with a medal. It's the same. The now 30-year-old sports science student turned Olympic phenom was born in Petersburg, South Africa. She got her start running as a way to train for football at her school, or as we in the States call it, soccer. Uh, yeah, obviously I started soccer at age of four. Uh, at that time, uh, I started as a striker and then they realized that they can utilize me in the middle field. And they saw that I'm too strong, uh, I might fit in defense, and then I moved to left back. But lucky for the world, Castor was drawn to the track, one she had to walk 10 kilometers a day to train on. Obviously, where we're coming from, <laughs> we lack facilities, so for me, if I had to match myself with the, the best, I had to walk about 10 kilometers, you know. She sprinted onto the scene in 2008, taking home gold at the Commonwealth Youth Games and instantly creating a name for herself. Since then, Castor's left some very strong impressions on many, including her manager, Becky Matumo. She's one of the most humble individuals you'll ever meet. I think where she comes from and the values that she learned back in the village and having the kind of parents that she has 
has really laid quite a strong foundation for the person that you see today. You know, Casta rising to stardom did not change a thing about who she is. She leaves a positive impact on whoever it is that she deals with. I always say to people that she's one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. And it's such a blessing to work with somebody like that. You know, she doesn't bother herself with, you know, the opinions of other people. It's just so beyond the BS. No, she's an inspiration. It turns out that badass women flocked together as Becky conducted this interview from her hospital bed, child in arms, less than 24 hours after giving birth to her daughter, Nalani. World Athletics, formerly the International Association of Athletics Federation, took notice of Castor's standout abilities, as well as her masculine build and voice, and launched an unprecedented investigation into her sex as early as 2009. World champion athlete Casta Semenya says her rights as a woman are being violated. The athlete has faced scrutiny about her gender throughout her career. I have to say, it's hard to believe Costa's a woman. Identifying as a woman doesn't make you one. There's nothing feminine about her. That's not a woman. She is a he. Throughout her 10-year career, she's had to deal with questions about her gender. People calling her a man and demanding that she undergo gender testing. The worst of all, she's battling a proposal by the International Association of Athletics Federations, which requires women with high testosterone levels to take medication to lower it. Caster, what does this feel like? Obviously, the day you, I was questioned, you know, I was questioned if I'm a woman or, or I'm a man. Obviously, that's to me is a violation. You know, for me is a disgrace. Uh, it's an insult, which is. Um, one thing for me, for sure, I can never be something I'm not. To be clear, Castor has differences in sex development, which is different than being transgender. I also want to name that even publicly talking about Castor's personal business feels like a massive invasion of privacy. But it's important to dispel as many misunderstandings surrounding her as possible because her ability to run is at stake. Here's a little 101 on these words and what they mean. So when we say transgender, we usually mean somebody who has a gender identity, meaning their self-conception of their gender that is different from what might be expected based on the sex that they were assigned at birth. So intersex is a very kind of umbrella term that can relate to or define or encompass a lot of different variations in external or internal genital structures and reproductive anatomy and kind of occurring in the population without a single sort of defining or unifying characteristic except that the sort of anatomy may be different than what is considered typical. Intersex is a term that can refer to and often kind of encompasses or even is used synonymous with differences of sex development and disorders of sex development is the other term that's used to describe the same set of variations. 
The disorders is sort of a term that has fallen out of favor because it's pathologizing and it creates a, a sense of a problem, a disease state, pathology that is not necessarily representative of people's experiences and not necessarily representative of how people like to kind of think about themselves and their bodies. That's Dr. Jessica Kremen, a pediatric endocrine physician at Harvard's Boston's Children's Hospital. She works with both intersex and transgender patients. More from Dr. Kremen later, but I wanted to be clear about what these words mean. I asked Castor how she knew World Athletics was specifically targeting her. This guy decided to say, okay, we're going to chop her out. You understand? And he, he doesn't have balls enough to say that. He's now uh, going on, you know, behind the curtains and saying, uh, it's bigger than that. We are trying to do that. At the end of the day, you cannot control genetics. You understand? You cannot control how people are born. You cannot control how, you know, someone's body, you know, operate. The new rules apply only to certain distance events, from 400 meters to one mile, where the Federation claims runners get the most benefit from testosterone. Some call this ruling the caster rule, given the narrow definition only exists within track and field, and more specifically, within the events caster dominates. But according to World Athletics, quote, regulations do not target any specific athlete or race. According to World Athletics, to be eligible to compete as a woman, an athlete such as Castor has to lower her level of testosterone in her blood down to below 5 nanomoles per liter for a period of six months and maintain it below that level while continuing to compete at the international level. Here's Joanna Harper, who testified for the IAAF in Castor's case. We separate male athletes and female athletes, not on the basis of gender identity or legal sex or or how people are identified at birth, but rather on biological characteristics that uh, make men so much better at sport than women. If she runs like a man and talks like a man, is she a man? But who decides which biological characteristics make a female a female? This is literally what's hanging in the balance here. I asked Dr. Kremen what role testosterone plays in athletic performance. Globally, testosterone has important effects for some aspects of physiology that are related to athletic ability. So people who make higher levels of testosterone tend to be taller. They tend to have greater muscle mass. So in that sense, those things can be depending on, again, the specific context can be seen to be advantageous from an athletic perspective. Beyond that, it's very, very hard to say. Dr. Kremen went on to clarify that for the most part, testosterone ranges are discrete and non-overlapping for people assigned to female and people assigned male. And while there are some who have testosterone levels that exist outside of these ranges, the majority of people have testosterone levels in two different non-overlapping ranges. That said, this is clearly not universal. Here's Castor on the idea of her having an advantage. What advantage? Because I'm a woman? Okay, when I pee, I pee like you. You understand? So I don't understand 
when you say I'm a man, oh, I, I have a deep voice. I know I like men's stuff. That's not a question. I know I'm a female, so it's not a question. I've been raised like that from, you know, day one. Hormone levels, just like other human traits, such as height, coloring, weight, exist on a spectrum. And instead of questioning the binary category itself, despite countless examples lying outside of the binary, this new rule punishes those who fall outside the quote-unquote traditional range. Put another way, I previously thought sex was a binary and gender on a spectrum. I was wrong. Sex is also on a spectrum, but our society can't deal with the idea that our boxes of male and female don't work. The idea of one's regulated sex being something that can be altered by changing a number really confused me. And to be honest, I wasn't fully grasping how changing a testosterone level could lead to a change in sex. So I spoke with another Harvard doctor who focuses specifically on hormones. One of the fascinating parts of endocrinology is that I get to deal with hormones and hormones have widespread effects. The definition of a hormone is that it's a substance that's made in one part of the body and secreted into the blood, which allows it to reach every single cell basically in the body and exert, uh, exert effects. This is Dr. Ole Peter Hambeck, co-director of the Transgender Health Program at Harvard's Brigham and Women's Hospital. So with these widespread effects um, of hormones on the body, it is not surprising that totally shifting someone's hormonal environment from one that has a high testosterone to one that instead has high estrogen, it's going to have dramatic effects. In my patients that uh, come in to me with um, a request for hormones for gender identity, but uh, if you take someone who is not uh, seeking uh, a gender affirmation process, and you totally change around the, the hormonal environment that, uh, that, that is in their blood, you, you can certainly uh, expect a lot of changes. And so again, changes to the mood for sure, that would be um, almost expected, as well as just various changes to the body. So if I'm hearing you right, this is a legislative body saying that you can only compete if you reduce your testosterone. And to me, this sounds like non-doctors who are making the rules for athletes that are essentially changing the course of their lives. Is that a fair interpretation? Yeah, I always worry when people who are not medically trained or, or trained as clinicians are making medical decisions on behalf of an individual or a group of individuals. There's a reason why uh, medical training uh, takes many years and it's because it's it's not as simple as normalizing a number or let's not even say normalizing a number, but changing a number to fit a preferred range of numbers that you want to see. There's much more to it than that. There are impacts on the body and on uh, the brain and on all aspects of, of functioning. And this is true, be it a legislative body in sports or be it a legislative body in our states or in a country. According to Dr. Hamvik, pinpointing testosterone as the switch that causes improved performance is not scientifically proven. The Human Rights Watch even called World Athletics' sex testing regulations, quote, inherently subjective and degrading. 
Dr. Kremen agrees that the barring of castor in other women with higher than normal testosterone raises ethical concerns. Augment her body in any way. I, I, as far as I know, she's not taking performance enhancing drugs. So what is the cost of sh shutting people out of athletics because of biological difference, right? What does that do to people? What does that do to people who see themselves in her? We know that there are benefits for youth to participating in, in you know, athletic activities, to participating in, in uh, competitive sports. So what is the cost of punishing people for, for physical differences, regardless of the potential for an uneven playing field, which I think is sort of the justification for a lot of this work. I asked Dr. Hamvik if he was in the World Athletic Federation shoes and his goal was to be fair to all female athletes, what he would do. I think it's a really difficult question to answer because we think of sex or, and sometimes we lump in gender and we think of that as one thing, one item that can have two different flavors. <laughs> and the truth is that it is not that simple. There are, you can look at chromosomes, you can look at the levels of sex hormones, you can look at genitalia, you can look at the secondary sexual characteristics like breasts or hair growth or Adam's apple. There are all these various aspects that, that together contribute one portion of what we might call sex or, or gender. And I think selecting only one of them and making that the determining factor is simplifying something that, as it turns out, is, is more complicated and more nuanced than that. So I don't know that there's a one-word answer or one-sentence answer to how to appropriately allow the sports to be, to separate into to men's and, and, and women's events. But I think it needs to be a little bit more thought through than simply focusing on normalizing a number because there's much more to it. I asked Castor how it makes her feel to have doctors weighing in on if she's a female or not. This is about the human rights because now when you, you're going to talk about them, one is human body, then you're going to deny them their right to, to be themselves. I think uh, it becomes a problem. Uh, but obviously there are other things that you, you cannot control. In an effort to lower her testosterone, Castor decided to try to take birth control pills, and she was left feeling horrible. I started gaining weight, man. Uh, I started eating a lot. I started having you know, a lot of panic attacks. I couldn't sleep at night, you know. It, it was uh, just a hell of a, a journey. So, and at the end of the day, it was my choice. I lived with it. I had to deal with the consequences. Uh, but yeah, I'm grateful that uh, I was able to overcome that. Grateful that it just never affected me after I stopped, you know, the, 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 the medication and everything. It has not affected me anyhow. Uh, my health, you know, is, is, is up to, you know, standard. And yeah, even if it took me time to, 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 to get back to normal ways, maybe. So, but, but it was not something... For me, look, I had to eliminate emotions then because of uh, it was I, I, I never have time to be emotional. You know, I never have time for that. It was all about, you know, I have to do it and then I'll do it. You understand? I had to be, stay positive. I had faith. I had hope, you know, that yes, 
you know, through, you know, God, you know, through my ancestors, I'll, I'll get that power and then I'll do it. And then it worked for me. When it came to Tokyo, Castor opted out of changing her body. She said, No freaking way. For who? No. Castor appealed the IAAF decision, but the Court of Arbitration for Sport ruled in favor of the IAAF, saying, Such discrimination is a necessary, reasonable, and proportionate means of achieving the IAAF's aim of preserving the integrity of female athletics. This left her with the only option to qualify for Tokyo being events outside the 400 meter to the mile. Now, while the Olympics and Paralympics purport to be about inclusion and the support of human rights, this narrow classification of sex, specifically in the female's middle distance track and field, goes directly against these values. Also, if this is truly about fairness, why is this rule only in track and field, only for females, when there's differences in sex development across all sports? While Castor is definitely the most decorated athlete suffering from these rules, they've also hurt countless others, and they're all from the global south. Athletes from Kenya, Niger, Namibia, and Burundi were all blocked from their events in Tokyo including the athletes who took silver and bronze in Rio in the 800 meter behind Castor. To say that again, the entire Rio podium in the 800 meter did not compete in Tokyo in the event due to this new rule. The Rio podium, as we know it, is obliterated. Why? Because all three of these women have higher than ordinary biologically female levels of testosterone due to differences in sexual development also known as DSD. Here's Rio bronze medalist Margaret Nayera of Kenya. I miss running so much, but I have no other option because the other routes are blocked. I do nothing. I just wake up and chill. There's nothing I do. No job or anything. I'm just taking my time. So while this is Castor's episode and her story, this ruling is clearly hurting more than just her. And it happens to be, and I don't think this is lost on anyone, all women from the global South. Castor faces so much adversity, racism, sexism, homophobia, and basic human rights violations for simply being who she is. I asked Dr. Kremen why Castor's situation is discriminatory. So I think part, part of the problem here is the focus on, you know, legislating and restricting the bodies of people who may have some variations that confer an athletic advantage. And the reality is that we, athletic performance is based on people who have extraordinary physical characteristics. And that's true not only in the area of hormonal differences, but in other physical attributes. For example, people who are extraordinarily tall due to kind of essentially genetic sort of variations, which confer growth potential or confer the ability to grow taller are 
rewarded and celebrated and have a huge advantage in certain circumstances, like in playing tennis or playing basketball. That is a genetic difference that confers increased physical capabilities. What I often think about in cases like casters and others is that why do we choose this particular space to legislate bodies and to reduce people to their biology when the reality is that all or much of athletic performance is based to some degree or is um, affected by uh, biological difference. So despite all of these challenges, I asked Castor how she keeps going and what makes her her. I don't go with the flow because of people already started the season, they're running fast. No. I, 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 I feel my body, I listen to my heart, you know, and then I'm ready and I work hard and I don't give up. I trust in my process, I trust in my instincts, you know, I believe in myself more than anyone, you know, and I am a tough cookie. I'm not gonna lie to you, hard worker, you know, I'm a dedicated athlete, I'm focused on what I do, I know why I'm doing this thing, I know where I'm going, I know my direction. I stick to my plans, you know, I understand the principles, you know, the principles of being an athlete, you know, I understand when to focus, I understand, you know, how to be disciplined. And I consider myself the best, even when people are still, you know, trying to block it and doing that, mm-hmm. you understand? And I make sure whenever I step on the track, I give my best, whether I get position four, I get position six, you know, that day does not go well. At the end of the day, I've started it, I'm going to finish. Caster, we have people tuning in from 45 countries who are active champions of women in sports. What do you want to say to them and to your supporters who've obviously been with you along your journey? Well, what I can say to them is that uh, I really appreciate them. I appreciate their, their support. Um, they're always in my mind. And I make sure that whatever movement that I make, you know, stand for possibility, you know, stand for people that, you know, believe in me. Make sure that uh, I never disappoint them with everything that I do. And make sure that whatever I build, you know, in terms of my brand, I make sure that whatever is, you know, linked to me, you know, it's all about positivity. It's all about, you know, fighting for, you know, human rights, making sure that, you know, we are all equal. What about to those who are not supporters of you, to people who say you don't have a right? Like, what would you want them, what would you want to say to them if you got a chance to sit down with them and talk to them one-on-one? If it wasn't for them, I wasn't going to be here today. I need that hatred, those judgments, you know, people who are criticizing everything that you do, people who are are there to, to push you. Because at the end of the day, they make you a valuable person. They make you uh, special, you know, with their love or their hate. At the end of the day, it does not stop. I'll always conquer, whether they are there or not. And at the end of the day, they don't understand how they've they've made my brand, you know, valuable. You understand? I'm well known in this world because of them. And I appreciate that for them. I thank them for hating me and they must continue hating on me like that because of it it creates you know such such important issues and then now 
at least it has raised you know awareness you know, for intersex women you know people start to understand you know getting a better understanding and then we thank them they must keep on hating so while they're still hating we are making money she never stops fighting two years ago Castor called out the lack of support amongst female runners. So I asked her, how can female runners best support each other? We have a lot in common when it comes to running. And if you're gonna come here, try to criticize, try to judge, it's going to be a problem. Because at the end of the day, when you win, we support you. We are proud of your achievements. When someone starts winning, you start pointing their differences. You understand? Mm-hmm. When it comes to support, we are you are not forced to support anyone. You support whoever you want to support. You understand? And then, but as women, the minute we start hating each other, we are making you know a man happy because we don't we don't support each other. <laughs> you know, at all. They become happy and say, "Yeah, we told you so. We told you they do not deserve anything. They do not deserve any kind of a leadership." because they cannot support each other in anything, you understand? Instead of going and standing up for one another, standing standing there on the podium and saying, hey, man, stop this nonsense that you're doing. We cannot tolerate it. You support it, you start crying. Yeah, yeah, could have been the first European. What nonsense is that? Yeah, I'm a first uh, a white woman. What's that? Is this all about color? Is this all about that? No shouldn't be that. This should be about women to women. Empower each other. When I asked Becky why Castor is such an incredible role model, she echoed Castor's belief in possibility. I love the fact that in Casper's vocabulary, cunt is not, it's, it's a word that just does not exist. I think she's an important you know, inspiration and, 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 and someone, you know, that kids really should look up to because she's such a dreamer and she's such a believer as well. In closing, I asked Castor what one action she wants listeners around the world to take after her episode. One thing that I want people to do is just to love one another. No matter what race, no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you are in the world. We should live for one thing, love, you know. We should love one another, support one another, because we are human beings. We breathe same air, one nose, two eyes, one tongue. You may have 34, you know, teeth. Some, we lost them. (laughs) Don't make any difference. (laughs) But what, what, what I want people to understand is that if we love one another, despite of the locations, despite of the race, despite of the nationality that we are. We are one nation, we are one people. If we can love one another, for me, it it will complete me because of the minute we start trying to categorize each other, start pointing one another, say, yeah, you are from Africa, you are from US, you are from uh, Asia, you are from this, you understand? It becomes a problem. But then, if we come as one, one common goal. But as long as you're going to decide to oppress, try to judge, try to criticize, try to feel, you know, try to be, you know, superior, try to undermine people, 
and then that's when the world is messed up. But if we can stand at one, just be one, one love, I'll be happy to, to, to see that. What's next for you, Casper? We're going to keep fighting, you know, for, 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 for young ones, of course, because this is all about the young ones. We, we want to alter that and then open those opportunities for them so they cannot face what we have faced. As it turns out, she may not have to. Three days ago, the International Olympic Committee stated they're rethinking their guidelines for intersex and transgender athletes. Specifically, they decided to move away from testosterone as being the determining factor in an athlete's sex eligibility. We'll be following along to see exactly what their new guidelines are. We hope you do too. Thanks for tuning in to Flame Bears, the women athletes carrying Tokyo's torch. Stay tuned for season two, featuring athletes competing in the Beijing Games this February and March. For more behind the scenes coverage, follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Flame Bears. Massive thank you to Becky for making this interview possible, and especially for her superhuman abilities to facilitate this from the hospital, Nalani in Arms. You are incredible. Thank you to the Harvard Kennedy Schools, Woman in Public Policy Program, and the Harvard Innovation Lab for your ongoing support. Thank you to my amazing gal group within Stanford's Galvanizer Incubator Program. Last but certainly not least, thank you to Dino Catano and Emma Minto for your ongoing support. We'll catch you on season two, Flame Bears Blazing the Trail to Beijing. <laughs>